Welcome to a special Giro edition of the Cycling Tips podcast. We're going to do a couple of these throughout the race when we think that there are interesting things to talk about. And today, Thursday, May 13, uh, after the, I guess, sort of the second GC day of the Giro, we thought there was plenty to talk about. We've had some bad weather. We've had GC riders go well and others go quite poorly. We had a guy get almost run over by a team car. We have lots to talk about today got most of the usual crew got ronan abby dane how are y'all yep yep good yep <laughs> yep yep good yep so enthusiastic today about the giro it's good <laughs> before we move on real quick we do have a special velo club cycling tips membership and special edition giro d'italia t-shirt offer going on right now so for 79 US dollars, it's about 100 Aussie, about 56 British pounds, you get to be a Velo Club member and you get this special edition Giro d'Italia t-shirt in pink, blue, or black. Of course, you also get all the other things with the Velo Club membership. You get our annual magazine mailed to your door. You get exclusive content and access to, extra access to us editors if you want to ask us questions. And make fun of us on our Aww. our internal slack channel they always just make fun of me for my my love of hammers and you know it stings a little bit it stings but that's okay the, you also get industry discounts zwift group rides uh we've like i said we've got our private social media groups and, and slack channels uh and a weekly newsletter that comes in from our editors lots of stuff you get for joining velo club do it up Plus, you support everything that we do here at Cycling Tips, including this very podcast. Now, with that, let's get into the Giro so far. So, just about an hour ago, we wrapped up the sixth stage of the Giro d'Italia to Escoli Piceno, a 160-kilometer stage with a big old mountain in the middle, and then a big, long descent with some wind, and then a climb up to the finish. Let's just, in case people have not been watching the Giro or missed today's stage, Dane, as quickly as you can, get us up to speed. What's going on in the GC picture right now? Uh, right. Alessandro DeMarchi was leading the race heading into stage six. He is no longer leading the race after stage six. Uh, Gino Mater won the stage from the break, and then not long behind him, the GC riders arrived. Uh, Attila Volter was the the rider who will take over the GC. He had finished uh, up there in a break earlier uh, in the race on stage four, I think it was. Uh, so he got a bunch of time there. And so he was sitting pretty highly on GC after that. And now after stage six, he has moved into the pink jersey. Uh, and then if we're talking about the, the big GC guys that we think are going to really go for the, the lead, the win, uh, Remco Evenepoel now sits 11 seconds off of Walter's lead with Egon Bernal uh, 16 seconds back. Alexander Vlasov, 24 seconds back. So we've really started to see the GC guys kind of coming to the fore here. Uh, but for now, Attila Walter, who knows what he's going to do in this race, uh, he is leading the the overall. Great name, by the way, Attila. I Very really good like name. that. Uh, he's hung- Hungarian, right, I believe? He's Hungarian, yeah. 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 I think he's the first Hungarian to lead the Giro. Awesome. I'm pretty sure. Awesome. And the, the Giro was supposed to go to Hungary, I think, last year, right? Uh, ended up not doing so because of the pandemic. But hopefully it ends up... Headed back there, that would be cool. Uh, our social media editor, Mike, is half Hungarian and was very, very excited this morning. 
with two GC stages kind of in the bag here, uh, we have some winners and losers. You know, you just ran through the, the GC, Dane. But one of the things in the, at the start of this Giro that really struck me was how kind of wide open it felt, right? There was a lot of different uh, GC contenders from a lot of different teams. We even, you know, there wasn't really a sort of heavy, heavy favorite because a lot of the names that you would normally have as heavy favorites, like Egan Bernal, who I'd still say is still a heavy favorite, we're coming back from injuries. We didn't just question marks over a lot of these riders. So, after two GC stages, who specifically has lost out? Who is no longer in the GC hunt? If you read the preview that I wrote over at cyclingtips.com, great website, uh, you would have found that the three names that I had as the top three were Egon Bernal, Simon Yates, and Remco Evenepoel. And uh, Evenepoel is just a big question mark because he's coming off of such a long injury layoff. But he and Bernal have really emerged as the two big names, I think, right now. And Yates, he's he's still up there. I mean, the, the race is it's still very early. But he has not stamped his authority on the climbs the way that I think we expected him to coming off of some strong performances uh, in the run-up. So Yates, to me, of, of the very biggest names, Yates is the one that has really lost out. Uh, he's still certainly in the mix, for sure. But he's the one that, hasn't, that has not done so well of those three. And then uh, we've also seen... Joao Alameda, who came in nominally as sort of a team leader alongside Bernal. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Joao Alameda, who came in nominally as a team leader alongside Evenepoel. He is already basically out of it. Uh, we've seen Pavel Sivakov, who came in nominally as team leader alongside Bernal, literally out of the race uh, after crashing. George Bennett, another rider we expected to be kind of in the mix, has not had a good first week. Uh, and again today just was was not really didn't have it um and he's out of the gc picture pretty much altogether at this point uh obviously nika landa crashed out really rough yesterday he, he hit the deck really hard so he is out of the race uh we've really seen a, there, there were a lot of question marks going in i think there still are question marks about you know can eventable hold on can you know is bernal gonna continue to, to thrive the way he has but we've already seen a lot of uh, shaking out i think in the gc i would say to my eye Egan Bernal looks the best in the race right now. And granted, Damn, we are in we are in stage six. I, well, you can still say it, Abby. What, you go ahead and say it too. Agree with <laughs> no, me. No, I mean I agree with you. I think today on today's stage, Egan Bernal he looked the best of all of those GC riders. He led the race. He led that group of GC favorites in the last 1.5 kilometers of the race. He really was the only one of those GC guys to really test his competitors and and kind of push them to to make moves and and he dropped most of the gc riders that we expected to do well in the race and he did so into a pretty stiff headwind and that, that i think that's particularly relevant because so riding into a headwind obviously the people behind you get uh, an increased draft relative to a tailwind or a crosswind and so you're you're basically less likely to drop everybody the fact that he was willing to put his face into the wind and just continue to push on, push on, push on, and not really worry about the guys that were behind him, that tells me that Egan Bernal feels really good and he's feeling very confident, more important than even feeling good. Because you just don't do that if you're not confident, right? You don't stick your face into the wind and pull a group of very, very strong riders all the way to the line into a headwind unless you're pretty darn sure you're the strongest person in that group. Uh, if he wasn't sure of that, I don't think we would have seen him ride like he did today. 
Another indication of how well he's feeling at the moment is the effort that Ineos Grenadiers put onto the into the race to they dropped DeMarkey in basically mini crosswinds, which yes, we didn't expect DeMarkey to be holding the pink jersey at the end of today's stage, but it's still impressive that they were they dropped him in in the crosswinds. I mean, kind of expect more classic-y type teams to to take advantage of crosswinds, but they did do that. And all of them riding for Bernal, even, you know, yes, they don't have Sivakov anymore, but it was a great indication of that the team is behind Bernal and they they're a team that is so strategic and so uh, calculated in everything they do that I don't think that they would have wasted all that effort if he wasn't feeling that. I agree. Yeah. That, you know, Bernal certainly looked the strongest today. And I think he, uh, you know, tried to make the most of the opportunity they had there when he, when he noticed some of the names that had been distant, the likes of, of Yates and that who were in that group right behind. But you know, we did say it's it's still only stage six, and I think you know Yates at the moment sitting forty nine seconds back, uh, and knowing just how difficult that final week is, I think he's far from from out of contention at the moment, and that's probably part of the reason why Bernal was you know so willing to to push it on there into the headwind, as you said, Kaylee, in the final kilometer or so, and try and you know make the most of that advantage that he had there. But I'm still. I'm I'm almost reassured by seeing the way that Yates is riding, if that makes any sense whatsoever. He's lost time on both uphill finishes, but you know, if we think back to his Giro breakdown three years ago now in the final week, it was the complete opposite of of what we've seen so far in this Giro, and that he was completely dominant in those opening stages, attacking at every opportunity, attacking for intermediate sprints for bonus seconds and that and yeah, we, we know he can't unless there's something we don't know about in between the Tour of the Alps and now you know, he, he, he is in good condition, so I, I still think he's going to be the main contender with, with Bernal. And, like, let's keep in mind that uh, Bernal, though he is a Tour de France champion, still a, he's sort of relatively new to the Grand Tour game, and frankly, has not shown himself other than that one Tour de France to be able to pace himself particularly well across the Grand Tour. Uh, so maybe he is given a little bit too much stick a little bit too early. That is a concern. Uh, that said, he's looking good enough. I don't think it's, I don't personally think it's going to harm him in the last week. I think the rider that he and his teammates are most concerned about is Evenepoel. I mean, we don't know whether Evenepoel is going to be able to hold on to this form throughout the race. Really, we have no idea what to expect from him, but we do know that the race ends with a time trial that is 30 kilometers long, and it is pancake flat. It's actually slightly downhill, and he is going to crush that TT uh, compared to the other big GC guys. So that's Bernal, classic Bernal territory. Classic yeah. Bernal territory. I don't think Bernal's yeah. going to love that one, and I, I don't think Yates <laughs> is going to love that one either. Neither one of them is particularly good in a in a flat time trial of 30k. So I think they both know they're going to have to take time on Evenepoel. Uh if if he stays as a you know as a contender on these hard climbs. And again, who knows? But if he does, he's going to take time in that final time trial. And so they are going to have to keep keep on the accelerator. And I think that's what is kind of motivating Bernal and and really anybody here. They're gonna have to try to drop, have to try to drop Evenepoel at some point, because uh, he's actually sitting in second overall already after that initial time trial. Yeah, and it was uh, remarkable to see just how sort of calm Evenepoel seemed in, in today's finale. He didn't seem to want to, 
you know, somebody of, of that sort of, you'd expect a bit more youthful exuberance and, and perhaps going for bonus seconds and that maybe just couldn't, maybe it was on the limit. But to me, it looked much more like he was completely in control uh, and thinking longer game, thinking bigger picture here, you know, uh, any bullets wasted here could could come back to haunt him in, in later stages. So I, I took that as a sign of, uh, composure rather than being under any sort of extreme pressure. Agreed. The Belgian press is already con- completely convinced that he's about to win this Giro uh, after stage six. So another name that sort of sticks out in actually there's a couple interesting names I think that stick out in the in the, sort of the top of the GC at the moment. Um, I like seeing Hugh Carthy up there. He had another good ride today. Lost a little bit of time, but he you know we he he's kind of tapping at the door of like a top five finish of this Giro. I'm kind of interested in in Giulio Ciccone as well because Nibali has shown already, I think, that he probably doesn't have the form to truly contest for this Giro d'Italia. And that has kind of set Ciccone free, or maybe he was already set free before the race. We don't, we don't really know the internal politics of that. Uh, but he looks very good. He looks aggressive. He looks strong. He's a former KOM winner at the uh, a climbing jersey winner at the Giro d'Italia. This is sort of his first real go at a you know a, a GC finish basically, but he looks he looks really good, and I wonder how far he can go. I don't think he's going to truly contest for the win at the end of this three weeks, but I think he could be up there. This is this is a really interesting development from Trek Segafredo because I think they actually didn't know who their general classification rider was until today because Ciccone's been on the attack the last two stages. He's been wasting energy. And if he was their GC rider going into this race, he would not have been up the road the last two stages with a stage like today coming. So I think today was potentially a big, not a big shock for them. I mean, going into the race, Nibali had been injured. And so it's it was a little bit of a toss-up whether or not he was going to be able to you know perform as well as I think the team would like to see him perform. But now with Ciccone eighth on the general classification and after how well he rode today, I think they're really going to have to reevaluate how they're racing this race. And that might lead to Ciccone really reining in his aggressive riding and and riding a little bit more conservatively just given that he's he has never been in this in a in a gc leader role in a grand tour before i mean italian guy uh with vincenzo nibali as your now chief lieutenant and somebody to learn from he's in certainly the best possible position to get the most out of this giro you know i would i would like to have Vincenzo Nibali is my sort of like on the road coach, right? If you're if you're going for a GC finish, the guy certainly knows what he's doing, but he is in uncharted territory, uncharted waters with the shark at his side. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> Notable though, like when Bernal attacked, Ciccone was, was Dane. Dane, Dane the, the listeners can't see your thumbs down. You have to say thumbs down. Yeah, that's a thumbs down, Kelly. I don't know. It wasn't that bad. It was yeah for as long as you didn't plan it. As long as it was a spur of the moment. Thing. No, yeah, just okay. just popped into my head. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Sorry, Ronan. You were saying something actually relevant. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say it was notable that when Bernal made his attack, that it was Jacone who was first rider on onto his wheel there and and looked you know, extremely impressive and, and just responding to that attack. And when we look at the gap that or the the riders who missed out on that move. 
certainly a, a rider to sit up and, and take no, note of Giacone at the moment. He did lose a couple of seconds in the sprint, but yeah, uh, certainly impressive when he followed that move. Yeah, I think... I think it's always really interesting to watch who responds quickest to stuff like that, right? Because when you're on the limit, you, you kind of have to take a second to think about like, can I do this? Can I not do this? Should I do this? Is this a good idea? Is it better? And just that little gap there is enough to often let a gap open up. Whereas if you're feeling good, you just do it, right? And so it's a really good indicator of how a rider is feeling regardless of what their face looks like, their 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 posture, whatever else you can, the other sort of cues you can get on how they're feeling. If someone reacts quickly, it means they don't have to stop and think about it. And that's a really good indicator that, that Chacon is riding, like we said, riding really, really strong right now. No idea if he can continue it, but we shall see. Alexander Vlasov is another rider I think that we should talk about a little bit. I think he's been maybe the most underrated rider in cycling over the last year and a half or so. He had a great 2020 top 10s in a bunch of places, including a podium at Lombardia. And then he was he was second at Paranis and third at Tour of the Alps this year, so... He's clearly in good form heading into this race, and there just weren't a lot of people talking about him coming in. Now, I think part of that's just because he hasn't taken a lot of big wins. He's just been up there a lot in a lot of big races. But he's currently sitting fourth overall. He looked great on stage four. Then today, he just looked okay. He finished with, with Yates and Carthy today. Uh, but he's an, he's a decent time trialist, and you know he's sitting just uh, 13 seconds behind Avenipool and eight seconds behind Bernal at this point, and he's, he showed that he was in great form uh, on that first climbing day, so I think Vlasov is a real is a real contender. I think he, people aren't really talking about him just because we don't know what to expect from him. We we haven't seen him up there in a Grand Tour very often. Uh, he's only done two Grand Tours up to this, and the first one, the Giro last year, he left because of stomach issues quite early. So not a lot of experience coming in, but I, I think he's a real contender. I think he's he's somebody we should talk about and keep an eye on. Hundred percent, yeah. And I don't know that much about him. I think we need to we need to dig a little bit on. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing him at Lombardia and being like, "Who, who is this again?" Uh, we'll, we'll dig a little bit into Vlasov and and in a future special episode, perhaps let you know everything we can about him. Before we wrap up today, we do want to keep these these little special episodes pretty short. Uh, two more things I want to talk about: one, Bahrain, Bahrain redemption. I, I like that that it's a team name that you can just sub a different word in, and it works really well. So we had Bahrain redemption. Today, uh, lost Landa yesterday and then turned around, got themselves a stage win with Gina Mater today. Uh, that's a really important thing just for a team's morale, right? And it also shows that the you know the team kind of banded together and, and came into today's stage wanting to get something out of this race. Gina Mater, if you will remember, is also the rider that got pipped at the line by Primoz Roglic earlier this year. Uh, so good to see him get a, a big, important stage win uh, after, yeah, getting... getting uh, <laughs> what was it like 15 meters from the from the line on that stage at, at Pyrenees that just snaked from from Primoz Roglic setting off controversy as to whether Roglic should have gifted it to him or not uh he shouldn't have by the way anyway good to see Gino Mater do that and the last little bit here and this is sort of like a theme that that kind of ties into everything we've talked about so far because it's it's just the background of everything is the weather at this Giro so far and I think that you could probably point to the weather and say that this is a primary reason why some of these riders have had really bad days already. If it's nice weather, you just have one less thing to contend with. Uh, you know, super, super, super skinny GC riders, guys like George Bennett, don't tend to do the best when it's 40 degrees and raining, or what was it in Celsius, like 7 or 8 degrees and raining. Uh, what has the weather done to this race so far, and how is this going to impact the race going forward? Uh, crosswinds today split the race 
in the mountains. I mean, I can't remember the last time we've seen that kind of thing where we had the weather was that bad and the stage was that hard that, yeah, it, it split where it did. And it was, you know, the Indiana's Grenadiers, that may be why they were able to do what they did. I mean, we usually think of like the, the kind of quick steps and the Lotto Sudols and the Belgian pro teams doing this, but uh, just the circumstances today made it a little bit different. But it's been a rough race so far. Crashes, the crosswind splitting things, and it's it's the kind of thing where there, there are riders in the peloton who thrive in those circumstances. Most of them are classics guys. I don't think we have a great sense of which of the GC riders in this race are those guys. I mean, obviously, if, if Watt van Aert were here, or maybe like peak era Nibali, not not anymore, but he was great in that kind of in those kind of conditions in his day. We don't really have that Nibali anymore. So I think it's going to be interesting to see because there, there may be riders who come out and and they are that good, but we just don't know. We don't, we don't know who that is right now. I feel like Evenepoel uh, probably does pretty well in these conditions. I mean, he's from uh, the northern part of Europe and has done plenty of racing in really nasty conditions uh, and obviously has had a good first week. It, it is, it's funny that, that today, I don't know if you guys noticed this, uh, just kit choice. So on stage four, sort of the first GC day, lots of riders kind of kind of going for like the, the the GABA jerseys, right? The sort of you know arrow fit, like mostly waterproof, but not a full rain cape. And then a lot of riders coming across the line freezing and miserable. And then today, a whole lot of riders who seem to have learned their lesson and just running big flappy rain capes, which are obviously not the most aerodynamic thing in the world, but it, it I think they're just tired of being cold after like four days. Because uh, we saw a lot, of, like even the, um, the NES guys were all in this sort of big, uh, a rain cape with, with that's not a, a super skin tight GABA type thing that is for sure slowing them down aerodynamically. But I think it's just been so cold for for so long now that they're just tired of it and they just want a big like Gore-Tex jacket. Did anybody notice was was George Bennett better dressed today because he suffered on stage four and he said that it was because he got too cold and today he lost a whole bunch of time. Um, so unrelated stage six, both of my favorites are already out of the GC conversation, but I hope that George learned his lesson in war more but I, I guess even even if he did it clearly didn't help at all yeah i mean one of the things about getting that cold and then pushing that deep is that it it you're kind of screwed for a couple of days and that might have been his problem today uh it just takes so much energy out of you i mean anybody who rides in the winter knows that you know like you have to eat more you have to do like you just you're just burning more energy when your body's that cold and it takes a, a while to recover from it and, and added to that, just the fact when you're wearing gloves and a rain jacket, it's so much harder to get the food out of your pocket. So you tend to, to do it less, which comes back to haunt riders and stage races as well. And then just when it's wet like that, you tend to drink less as well, which is, you know, you are you still need to keep hydrated, but it's so easy to forget in, in these conditions. And that's perhaps, you know, having a, a knock-on effect a few days after. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if George Bennett suffered two days ago and, and is still paying paying the price for it today. Uh, I will just add as well, as someone from a northern or western European country where it rains a lot, uh, doesn't doesn't make you a good writer in the wet and the cold. <laughs> doesn't even mean you want to do it. It just means that you perhaps have done it more often. But mm. uh, yeah, I used to get that one a lot. Was, oh, you're from Ireland. You'll like a wet race. No. No. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I've seen Alexander Kristoff get asked that question in like five different press conferences because he's good at riding in bad weather. People always ask him, "Do you like it when it rains?" No, I, I don't like it when it rains. Nobody <laughs> likes riding when it rains. 
I think Ronan is our chief rain correspondent, though, right? Yeah, for rain-based questions. I mean, you know, the Colorado crew here, we're not we're not particularly good at this. So It was a nice summer's day today. It only rained three times. <laughs> it rained for like two days here, and all of Colorado was, was just going mad. We're like, what do we do? How do we, how do we exist? How do we go outside? I don't understand. We're very, very, very bad at it. Last thing on my list here, a uh, bit of a weird situation today. Uh, Peter Seri was sort of dropping back on one of these climbs and basically got halfway run over by a bike exchange team car. What what happened here? Yeah, it seemed like the driver... Well, it's, it seemed like that somebody in the, the bike exchange team car in the passenger seat was exchanging something with a person in another car to their right. Uh, and then just moments after that happened, Seri was was slowing down a lot. And I, I guess the driver of the bike exchange car, I, I don't know if he wasn't paying attention or if he was surprised at how quickly they'd come up upon on Seri, but they just rode right into the rear of, of Seri's bike and uh, immediately sent Seri to the deck. Fortunately, the driver of the bike exchange car stopped immediately rather than, you know, running him over. Uh, so Seri ended up, I mean, he was on the deck for a few moments, but he did get up. Uh, the, the bike exchange staff jumped out of the car to check on him, and then eventually the Dakota Quick Step car pulled up and checked on him. And he got back up and he finished the stage. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was a little bit scary. Uh, it, it, you don't you obviously don't want to see that, and it, it could have been worse. So Alex House, U.S. national champion Alex House, uh, had a, an interesting tweet about this, which was with the new rules. Riders are no longer allowed to drop jackets for the team car to collect. Rider gave Com Car a jacket, and the bike exchange car was collecting that jacket. Definitely a what the fuck situation, WTF situation, but a product of the new UCI rules. Uh, I mean, obviously, Alex is not saying that there's no fault in the driver here. He's just saying that there are basically there are unintended consequences of some of these rules right the fact that riders can no longer just sort of chuck a a jacket to the side and get get, and get it picked up by a team car later on they have to actually give it to a car technically uh it it sort of was the foundation of this incident which was like you said a a a team car trying to get something from the com car a jacket from the com car and in doing so not really paying attention to what they were supposed to do ahead of them it's also a pretty big uh crash I think it was one of the Yumbo Visma cars from yesterday. Uh, the cars all smooshed up, and I mean we've talked about this on the podcast numerous times. I still can't believe that this doesn't happen more often. Having having been in team cars a bunch of times and, and in neutral cars a bunch of times, you're just like inches away from hitting riders, cars, trees, fans, everything at, at most moments throughout the bike race. And I'm I'm genuinely astonished that uh, yeah that this doesn't happen more often. In theory. The, new, the relatively new rules require that the director is not in the driver's seat. Uh, so the driver is supposed to just be driving. But that doesn't sort of solve all the problems because this driver, for example, was probably looking over to the right to see how close they were to the comm car to get that jacket, not looking in front of them. They end up running over a rider. Just a very strange and unfortunate incident. Uh, Peter Seri, quite irate. <laughs> as to be expected when he got up and got back in his bike and he's flailing his arms around. And I'm sure that the, uh, the quick step, uh, director had some words for the bike exchange folks as well. Hopefully no more. Has of that there been Gerald. any, has there been any tweets from Lefavre? Cause I, 
There's got to be. He's going to threaten to sue somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Lefebvre. Yeah, I feel like there's got to be at some point a Patrick Lefebvre tweet. One of the reasons this is so wild is because even though, like, it's just shocking that the driver of this car wouldn't have been looking straight in front of them, regardless of if they were picking up a jacket or not. You're on a mountain road, a really skinny mountain ride and road, and riders are getting dropped left and right. Like, there's so much going on. Surely there was a better time to get the jacket. You would think. Nope. <laughs> just a lot of poor decision making here. Uh, just yeah, we're just glad nobody got hurt. It's just a, a, a an indication that maybe, uh, or a reminder perhaps that you know the cars need to pay a little bit more attention. The the other thing to think about as well is we caught a snapshot of this today because of the outcome where the, you know Peter Siri got got hit by the car, but. This, if if it is actually down to the rain jacket having to go to the not having to go to the comms car, but going to the comms car and then to get collected by team cars, there's what twenty other teams who must be doing the same thing. So it must be utter chaos right behind the bunch when they had the final climb like we had today, and you know right at the exact moment when you know there is so many riders getting popped out of the back of the peloton or, or setting up and you know going in the in the bus or whatever and. At the same time, you've got all these other cars coming up for to collect rain jackets. It just seems, yeah, it must be must must be utter chaos there. And you know that that would suggest this might not, unfortunately, be the last time we see such an incident. It doesn't make any sense to me that riders can't just chuck jackets. Like, I, I, I why, 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 why? That makes that makes no sense. It's not like litter. Some fan, if you, if you don't throw it to a, a soigneur or something like that, some fan is going to be stoked on that jacket. They are not going to let it just sit in a tree or sit in a field. Someone's taking that thing home, for sure. So I don't really understand the whole point of this. It doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, let's wrap it up for today. That's the end of... We have six stages of the Giro. As we said before, we're going to pop on with a couple more Giro special episodes throughout the next couple weeks. It'll be a rec- regular Cycling Tips podcast episode on Monday as always but if anything else crazy happens tune back in we will have a podcast for you thanks everybody see you next week Bye.